This is the Activist Investing Today podcast, and uh, your, your host, Ron Oral, and I'm here with uh, Professor Mark Rowe, the David Berg Professor of Law at Harvard Law School, appointed in 2001. Professor Rowe is the author of Strong Managers, Weak Owners, and Political Determinants of Corporate Governance. Thank you for agreeing to participate on the podcast, Professor Rowe. Uh, great to be here, Ron. Okay, cool. So, Professor Rowe, last year you produced a University of Pennsylvania Law Review study suggesting that there is this kind of doomsday version of stock market-driven short-termism that uh, many in the legal, media, and judicial world have been promoting, and that you feel like that whole uh, pers- perspective on the on the world or on the markets is uh, has not been well examined. Uh, so, if, uh, in a nutshell, what what do you mean by that? Okay, yeah, sure. So stock market-driven short-termism gets a lot of attention in the media, gets a lot of attention in legal newsletters. Um, It frequently gets some political attention. Uh, um, So what are the consequences for the economy that people who think stock market-driven short-termism is causing big problems in the economy? What are the consequences for the economy um, as opposed to a particular company or a bunch of companies that are that are too short term so that the things that people keep mentioning as the the the, the consequences of too much stock stock market driven short termism we're investing less less capex uh, we've, we're doing too many buybacks um, the buybacks are draining cash out of public firms with less cash we do less r and d if we do less r and d eventually that's hurt the economy over the long run. Um, and then just we've got a stock market that doesn't support the, the long term. So in the, in the study that you, that you mentioned, um, uh, uh, what, uh, what the study does is look at each one of these propositions and see how much support there is for each proposition. So take them one by one. Um, uh, CapEx. It turns out that CapEx is down everywhere in the developed world. Um, It's down everywhere in the OECD. And interestingly enough, um, it's actually down less in the United States than it is in the rest of the OECD. There's something else going on that's driving CapEx CapEx down. So Um, so you're suggesting that there's less capital expenditures in the US than in other parts of the world? um, No, it's the opposite. Is that capital CapEx is down down less less Right. Less than the United more, States. So it's actually a better, it's in the U.S., it's better than in other parts of the, the world. Okay. Exactly. So the, there's something that's driving capital expenditures down everywhere um, in the developed world. Uh, uh, you can make a few hypotheses. One is we're just doing, um, the, the economies are becoming post-industrial economies in which um, investment in hard assets as opposed to soft assets um, has become Hard assets are becoming less important. Soft assets are more important. And just the, the way we account for things, um, uh, the hard assets aren't being accounted for as nicely. But whatever it is, the United States, which has the, uh, the, 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 the strongest relationship with its stock market, um, has less of a decline in CapEx than, um, than the rest of the developed world, suggesting that whatever is going on is not stock market-driven uh, driven short-termism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one that that uh, people complain about quite a bit is, is that buybacks are draining cash out of um, out of uh, the public firms, um, and that too 
Um, what seems to be going on over the last 10 years is we're getting this large recapitalization of the public firm, uh, more debt and less equity. It's almost as though we've got this big buyback of equity being financed with debt. This may not be particularly good um, uh, over the next uh, in the next few years, if we have a recession, to have too much, too more debt than we than we had before, but it's not sapping cash from the public firm. There's more cash than ever on the balance sheet, um, and the explanation is uh, uh, we've shifted the balance sheet from uh, from some equity going into more debt. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this sounds like it relates to the, the concern that uh, the SEC Chairman Jay Clayton has, which is this shift from uh, from the public markets to the private markets, you know, uh, where uh, fewer, he's always complaining about fewer IPOs. How do we get more IPOs? He wants the average American to have access to, uh, you know, these companies, but if they're not in the stock market, they can't have access to it. Um, but do you agree that there's that the you know maybe there's, there's there's a lot of capex in the U.S. compared to the rest of the world, but that there's this issue of uh, shifting away from the public markets to the private markets, or is it, and if you agree with that, is it a problem? I guess. Um, so a couple of things, a whole bunch of things there in that question. So yes, sorry. It's, it's not a whole. It's not clear to me that there's a shift in that the stock market capitalization of the public market um, uh, 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 20 years ago is about the same as the stock market capitalization of the public market today. The size of the average public company has gone way up. Right. Um, so we're getting fewer companies, but they're bigger companies. Right. Um, it may not be so good that they're bigger companies. You know, maybe this is a function of declining competition. Um, but we've got, by most measurements, we've got just as big a sector of public companies. And um, it's, we shouldn't think that it's necessarily bad that we've got um, uh, a healthy private equity market and a healthy um, uh, private sector, and that this is giving more competition for to um, uh, to the uh, to the public sector. Okay, so um, I have to wrap in the uh, activist investors since that's the, the okay. topic of our, of our show here. And, you know, clearly a lot of activist investors, you know, they're talking to the private equity firms. They, they want to know what they want to buy. Then they, uh, they, you know, when they find out that they target the public company and maybe they pressure it to be acquired by a private equity firm, this often happens. But, you know, there definitely is, uh, um, you know, there's a perception out there. There's a pressure, the perception that these activist hedge fund managers are, um, uh, you know, are creating this short-termism. You know, you were you were speaking recently mm-hmm. at, the, uh, at the Securities and Exchange Commission, which had a whole forum on you know whether there's short-termism in the markets. Uh, clearly, SEC Chief Jay Clayton thinks there is. There's a, a bit. He didn't mention activist investors, but David Katz, who uh, we should definitely mention, is uh, you know one of the top advisors to companies targeted by activists over at Wachtell Lipton that not surprisingly said that activists focus on the short term. So I guess maybe if you could kind of try to tackle those two questions, you feel like activists, you know, whether the markets are short term or they're a factor uh, in, in driving short termism. I guess, you know, you obviously arguing that there, the, there, there isn't, I guess, so much short termism in the market as the, as people believe, but you know, how are the activists factoring in it? And then, um, um, you know, you would argue you should be wary about we should condemning activist investors across the board. Do you, you feel like 
that's a uh, that's a serious issue. Yeah. So yeah, I got three or four things that I'd say about say about that. One is um, activist engagements are up by most measures over the last 10, 15 years. Um, people who worry about this as well, it'll kill R and D. R and D is up. Um, and it's up significantly over the last 10 or 15 years. The only place in the American economy where we're getting less R&D is actually government spending on basic research. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the activists themselves, just transaction by transaction, um, for the most part, it's going to be hard for an activist to make money if they're doing long-term damage to the company they take a position in. Mm-hmm. But even if they are excessively, even if the, even if an activist only has an attention span that goes for the next two weeks, the, the, the difficulty with the strong short-termism story connected to activists is the activists today aren't like the takeover people from the, uh, from the 1980s. They rarely get a, uh, a controlling a majority position in the company stock. They're more 5, 10, 15% of the company stock. Mm-hmm. For them to be taken seriously by management, they've got to have votes behind them. And where are the votes? Uh, the votes are in the institutions, right. uh, index funds, pension funds. And that's the, the second point, is for the activists to be taken seriously, they've got to be able to credibly tell management um, it's not just that we own 10% of your stock, um, but the institutions will back us up. Um, and these are institutions that index funds hold the stock forever. Pension funds are long-term oriented. Mm-hmm. They tend to initially uh, side with management because most firms are just well-managed. Um, so for the activists to really have an impact, they've got to be able to persuade um, the institutions that have a long-term, a long-term position. Um, uh, and without that, they're not going to be effective. But, you know, if activists are in fact, you know, contributing to this shift from public to private sector, you don't, you don't feel that that is, that is contributing to short-termism, uh, like the, the balance between, you would suggest that the balance between public and private is, is, seems pretty healthy, I guess. It's not a, not a problem. Yeah, I think it's probably, I think it's healthy. I think it's good to have a vibrant private sector competing with a vibrant public sector. But even if they're um, inducing more firms to go private, um, the usual thinking has been um, that the short-term pressure, if it's coming from anywhere, it's coming from the stock market. Mm -hmm. So once a firm is off of the stock market, they should be able to they're relieved of that pressure if there is that pressure um, and can think more. Uh, more longer term. And it's interesting, we chatted briefly about this also at the SEC, which is my, my, you know, one of the things that I write a lot about is this supersized growth of the index funds, that they keep growing as a percentage of, you know, uh, public monk uh, companies, uh, kind of a shift from active managers to the index funds, the BlackRock, State Street, Vanguards, you know, sometimes are, are often the biggest holders, they own like 10% each or 5 to 10% each of some of the biggest companies and you know we look at the uh, the data once a year data about how they vote and you know they sometimes support activists but the ma- but for the majority of time they don't and you know they are sometimes in the th- you know 15 to 20 to 30 uh, sometimes even maybe 40 percent of the time they support activists but you know you never see and, and when they support activists in, in let's say a proxy contest situation they maybe will back one director out of a slate of five or, or three or whatever it is that they, um, 
So I know it's hard to see how much they support them in behind the scenes efforts, which, you know, clearly is the majority of the situation. But my suspicion is they're more likely to back management. So if that's true, then activists will have a tougher time, um, you know, uh, uh, driving, uh, you know, for, forcing these things to happen, like forcing companies to go private or making operational changes if they're not going to get the support of the big index funds. I don't know. What do you think about that? No, no I agree with that. Activists face a an uphill effort for them to get uh, the votes to be able to effectuate changes. They've got to really have a, um, a very persuasive explanation as to why something should change in, uh, in their target company enough so they can convince the index funds and other pension funds and others that tend to, whose initial inclination is we're going to favor management unless we've got a really good um, uh, reason not to. So the activists facing that have a have an uphill battle. And we haven't even talked about the uh, the new growth of public companies with the dual class share structures. And Mark Zuckerberg controls 60% of the vote at Facebook. Um, so it's unlikely an activist hedge fund will try to break up that company. But anyways, putting that aside. So you are working on some new studies about short-termism. I'm wondering if you can uh, maybe give us a preview of what you're, what you're working on. Uh, sure. Um, so three things that, I, that I'm working on. Uh, one is um, it's looking at why the stock market short-termism story is just so persuasive <clears throat> when the data is really a lot more mixed. Um, and part of the explanation is that the short-termism story is just, it's very vivid. We imagine Wall Street tra- traders um, and who are trading rapidly, and so we think the economy must have the same time span. Um, second reason is uh, category confusion. There's a, a there's bad corporate behavior like environmental degradation um, that's often called short term when it's just bad behavior that has very little to do with time horizon. So we tend to think there are a lot of things going on that are short term when a a lot of the things are not particularly short term. They're just um, uh, um, uh, things that some corporations shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third is a a verbal connotation. Um, Short termism, we always think is bad, at least initially. If I'm short-term, I'm unreliable. Um, If I'm long-term, I'm steadfast and I'm reliable. Um, The initial connotation tells us what's good and bad, Um, but if we just shifted the vocabulary a little bit and we started thinking about adaptability, so if I'm adaptable, I make short-term decisions to adapt to my environment, and that's kind of good, but it is short-term. And what if some long-term company is long-term, um, and it means that their management uh, is stubborn and high-bound. Well, that's not so good. So that's one study. It's looking at why the short-term story um, seems to be so um, so persuasive. Second is looking at um, loyalty shares, tenure voting, and whether it could, um, whether what kind of an impact it could have on short-termism. Sorry, um, and the third... Explain, sorry, explain a little bit about what loyalty share... This is what you're talking about, like what they have in France, <clears throat> where the longer you hold, the more votes you have, or what are loyalty shares? Um, you got it exactly. So uh, it's more common in Europe, particularly in France and Italy. So you hold the stock for a longer period of time. Uh, I got to cough it a little bit, sorry. <laughs> um, hold the stock for a longer period of time, you get more votes. Um, there's, uh, the SEC just approved a few months ago, 
um, something long term, uh, long term stock exchange, which is intended. It's not set up now. It's not approved now to use loyalty shares, but the original intention was to use loyalty shares um, on the um, uh, on the exchange, and that's what they're the the the, uh, um, the organizers are uh, are aiming for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's the. The experience in Europe seems to be that the loyalty shares don't promote long-termism, um, but they do facilitate um, control by the founders. They do facilitate continuing control by the founders um, over a longer period of uh, a longer period of time. You suggested um, that it's a bad idea. That I feel like the index funds, with their passive investing, would be even more powerful than they already are, as they you know represent a larger percentage of the market. Um, it could end up um, having this. Speaking of uh, of activists, uh, the uh, the um, most immediate impact would be activists would have a lower percentage of the vote because they take their position and they don't hold for, they haven't hold, held the stock for two years before they start um, uh, uh, dealing with their company. So relative to other stockholders who held on for a longer time, like the founders and the index funds, mm-hmm. um, we should expect less activism in firms that have, uh, have used loyalty shares. And that's been the experience in Europe, and I don't see why that won't be the experience here, that it'll be more of a control device than a, um, than a, a long-term, short-term, uh, short-term device. Yeah, I think I agree. With, uh, your your your, your uh, first point was quite interesting. I think, which is this issue that uh, you know, rather than worrying about short termism, maybe we should be worried about long termism. These index funds, they have governance codes, but they're not. Uh, um, uh, you know, they're not going to try to dig and identify some malfeasance or some problem at a. Uh, or uh, at a uh, you know at one of the companies they invest in, where they have you know represents you know zero point five percent of their total assets under management. Um, it's really the activists that are you know doing the the heavy, a lot of times doing the heavy lifting of investigating these companies. So uh, maybe the issue is uh, you know the opposite that way. You know we have to worry about overly long term investors and their impact on the market. Um, absolutely. And, and as I say, the experience seems to be in, in Europe where they're more widely used, we're getting, um, we're using, they're using the loyalty shares more to protect incumbents and maybe to slow down change than to, uh, than to facilitate, facilitate the long term. Mm-hmm. And was there a third one or was that, uh, that's the, the, that's it for your different categories of this new research you're doing? Uh, uh, the, the third one is to to is a, a look at um, an extended look at all of the data dealing with um, long termism and short termism, and uh, that's the third one. Okay. Um, it's it's starting uh, and it'll be, it'll be done in the next few months. Okay, awesome, Professor Rowe. This has been uh, fascinating. We'll be looking out for that research. Please send it to me when you have it done. We could have another mm-hmm. conversation, and I appreciate you taking a little time to talk to the Activist Investing Today podcast. Uh, great to be here.